record. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rogue Tulips Presents Chatting with Agnes and Cecilia. Today is Monday, February 17th. We hope you all had a great Valentine's Day and that you're having a great President's Day today. Uh, my co-host, colleague, and friend, Agnes Amos Coleman, will not be with us today because she is visiting family. And so, hello, Agnes. We miss you. Uh, and we are here with our guest, Aaron Costello, who's a certified association executive. And Aaron is going to be coming back as a guest probably about once a month until the election, as this is a, a big election year, not just at the federal level, but state and local elections are going on. And so we're doing kind of a series. So since it's only February and we have most of the year ahead of us, today's topic is clarifying C3, C4, and C6 advocacy activities. And I'm kind of laughing because Aaron and I were prepping and Aaron uh, very astutely pointed out, well, I don't know how much clarification we're going to come to in this conversation today, but we're going to try. You have titled it discussing, not clarifying. Right. <laughs> so that's pretty much what we're doing. So Aaron, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit and we'll jump into the topic. Yeah, hi, good morning, Cecilia. I am Aaron Costello. I'm, I'm an association executive. I uh, uh, had a career in, a, in association work, uh, specifically in advocacy, grassroots, and government relations. Um, so we're here today to kind of talk about uh, the, the different tax status uh, statuses that, that nonprofits have and how can that impact your advocacy programs and and it is complicated. There are entire law classes <laughs> in this. Cecilia and I are not lawyers. We will do our best to, to share with you discussions we have often about some of the confusion that surrounds, you know, what you can do as far as lobbying and engaging with public officials. And, and, and we'll do our best to talk through that. So I, I hope that helps get us off, Cecilia. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And at the very least, we will let you know you're not the only ones out there who are confused about the situation. <laughs> so let's kind of jump in. So we said clarifying C3, C4, and C6. And the reason we're focusing on that, despite the fact there are many 501c designations within the IRS code. Uh, please keep that in mind. It is a code within the Internal Revenue Service uh, that sets up organizations of different kinds to be what we call a nonprofit, meaning you are exempt from federal income tax. But that also means, depending on which type of 501c organization you are, you are restricted in some activities, especially when it comes to contributing to campaigns or lobbying, active political activity is very different from advocacy. And so Aaron had asked me to just very quickly kind of outline that part of the conversation, and then I want him to jump in. So as a communication specialist as well, I think words are very important. So advocacy is different from lobbying, okay? So advocacy means you're advocating, you're educating people about your group or what they do or what your members do. And you can even go talk to elected officials and, and say, as an advocate, this is why we think this legislation is good. Uh, in my opinion, you shouldn't say vote for it or not vote for it, but you can say that your group supports it or doesn't support it and your reasons for it. And then lobbying is actively going in as a registered lobbyist. See, there's a reason you don't register as an advocate. Lobbyists have a lot of restrictions on what they can do, how they do it. They can't even buy you lunch anymore 
it's been, I think, tw at least 20 years, right, Aaron, since they came and buy you lunch. That's probably about right, and states have different restrictions, too, in state capitals, which we can talk about a little bit. But. So, yeah, and there's that as well. So you, so keep that in mind. It's like just, and, and also a 5013 organization, that designation is intended for charities and foundations. And a number of years ago, a lot of professional societies incorporated as C3s. Uh, it's my understanding the IRS is a lot stricter about that now. Uh, and, and really, and Aaron and I, both as certified association executives, you know, know this, C3 is really for charities and foundations. C6s are for industry associations and professional societies. So like today, if you try to incorporate a professional society as a C3, they're likely going to kick that back and say, no, you need to reapply as a C6. C4s are basically also for professional societies and industry organizations, but they have a lot more latitude when it comes to political activity. So this is a good point for Aaron to jump in and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so in my career, I have worked for C3s and C6s. I am not as familiar with C4s, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow the old motto, don't talk about what you know. So I'm going to talk about C3s <laughs> and C6s a little bit. But um, I would say the primary difference between a 501c3 and a C6 uh, as far as lobbying is a 501c6 can get involved in politics. So you can have a political action committee, um, you can give money to candidates, you can endorse candidates, you can uh, you know, pick candidates to support. Um, so um, that's what uh, uh, C6 can do. Uh, C3s can lobby, it's very confusing, and there are some really tight restrictions on what C3s can do. The IRS has a pathway uh, called a substantial part test that does allow some lobbying by C3s and you know that gets complicated, and I just spent uh, uh, almost 10 years working at a 501c3 that did do lobbying um, and used that substantial part test as the pathway to allow them to do lobbying. Um, so there, are, you know, what what we told our members there is is you could lobby, but there were restrictions and uh, no involvement in politics. So um, Cecilia and I often talk about this, but there's a, a difference too between. Uh, policy making and politics. That's the other thing I think people get confused about. If you're talking about someone that's running for office, um, I would say that's politics. You know, who's going to get elected? But if you're talking about policy making, you know, a legislative body or a regulatory body is considering a change to public policy, then absolutely um, you can get involved with that either through the C3 or C6 designation. Again, the C3 has some restrictions, but the policy making process about we are for this for or against this bill. This is what it will mean to our members. We are for or against this regulation. This is what it will mean to our members. Even um, in the case of ballot measures, like if you know, there's a proposition, many states specifically do a lot of ballot measures, and associations can get involved with those, including C3s. Again, I, I add that sort of caveat that there are some restrictions on that, but um, you know, I would generally say that policy making versus politics is something that's also because to really be involved in politics, you've got to uh, do the, the C6 um, and do the political action committee. And, and um, so that gets complicated too. So there's all that to sort out, Cecilia. Yeah, that's really, wow. And I think that's a, a really great distinction between politics and policymaking because 
in my experience, I've worked at a C3 and a C6. I, I also, like Aaron, have not worked at a C4. So uh, as Mark Twain used to say, I shall keep my mouth shut and remove any doubt that I don't know what I'm talking about. That's a total paraphrase. That's not the right quote. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, but within the C3 and C6, I think there is a lot of confusion, especially among staff outside of the advocacy or government relations area about that difference between the policymaking and politics, you know, and, and so policymaking is really something I think a lot of C3s can be very involved in without getting into trouble, quote unquote, with the IRS. And I think that uh, if we could do a better job, you know, promoting that to members too, you know, Aaron, you had made some good points about how this can in some ways negatively impact the culture at an organization by not understanding that a C3, for example, can do some advocacy and lobbying work. Yeah, so I mean, I think that this, you know, it's important for association to uh, really have a feel for what is what this does to the culture of the organization. Um, again, having worked somewhere recently that did, did uh, you know, use that substantial part pathway as a C3, uh, as a way to lobby, it just created a lot of confusion in the organization because members, um, factor leaders, um, would even other staff members would say, well, we can't do this or that because we're C3, we can't lobby. And so you were, as a staff person there, spending a lot of time navigating um, some of those myths and some of those, you know, explaining some of those differences, even if they were correct, um, you were spending a lot of time with you know trying to change the culture of the organization because of that tax status there was so much confusion about what can and can't be done that you know i think if if an organization is comfortable and its mission is really uh to try to influence public policy that you you, you know you ought to steer away from the c3 designation right. um, you know uh, you know now Obviously, the organization for their argument from their leadership is, well, we can accomplish everything we want to accomplish with that C3 designation, and we don't want to be involved in politics. Well, again, that's confusing the politics with policymaking part, you know, so there's almost a double-edged confusion there. There's the, um, we're confused about whether we can lobby or not, and we're confused about the difference between policymaking as, you know, a legislative or regulatory body deliberating a policy versus Oh, contributing to campaigns. And I think what those that organization really meant when they said we don't want to be involved in politics is we don't want to give money to candidates. And so, you know, there was just all this confusion. There's nothing that says if you're a C6, again, that you have to have a PAC. You could choose the C6 tax option, uh, you know, really have a strong culture of advocacy, not have those lobbying restrictions, but still say we don't want to get involved in politics and have a PAC. Um, so there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of different pathways that organizations can look at to, to determine what fits for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of the reason we've been having this discussion so often recently is, is because I just spent a substantial amount of time at an organization that I don't think really looked carefully at which pathway was right for them. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, caused a lot of, of internal confusion. Well, you know, and I think that's a, a great point. Um, because so many groups don't think that through and they don't realize they could start a C6, you know, like the place where you worked as a C3 could have started a C6. And then they could have had both options like uh, 
a lot of people don't know this, Aaron and I have known each other for many, many years, so many years we will not say how many years uh, that we've known each other, but we used to work together at the American Academy of Otolaryngology, head and neck surgery. And uh, if you don't know what otolaryngology is, it's basically ear, nose, and throat physicians. Yeah, try calling a uh, try calling a state legislator office and telling them you work for the American Academy of Otolaryngology. <laughs> I know, it's like you're not gonna get too far. <laughs> but, uh, but they, uh, yeah, but I want to give a shout out to otolaryngologists everywhere because you have to be in the top 1% of your medical class to even go into that specialty. So we got to work with some pretty cool and interesting people, very smart people. But one of the things, and then what Aaron did there was state relations. He did a lot of the, the grassroots activities at that organization. But the way they were set up is we had a C3 foundation and we had a C6 professional society and then we had a PAC. And so we had a staff person who managed a PAC. And to me, that is really uh, the triad of success for any organization that represents a profession or an industry because you have all of those options, not just for activities, but for member engagement and for promoting a successful mission. I guess not promoting a successful mission. What I should say is successfully implementing your mission is a better way to say it. Um, and ASAE uh, also is set up that way. They are set up with a PAC and a C3 Foundation, which does a phenomenal amount of research in our profession. And then you have ASAE, the C6 group that most of us belong to. Um, so that's also a very good example. And I use them as an example of this when I'm working with people who are studying for the CAE exam. So because again, you know, a lot of people come in, like somebody I was mentoring uh, for the December exam didn't realize the difference between C3 and C6. And I think, you know, we're, that's why it's so important to educate people on this topic and what your possibilities are. I mean, you, you do have a lot of, of possible options if you're incorporated as a C3 membership group. Um, although I do know of a group, uh, that that was a C3 membership group for many years and and they started a C6 to resolve some of these problems because in addition to your advocacy and political problems you also have some financial uh issues as far as like you know how the money can be used donations and things like that and that gets very messy because I I was CEO at a membership organization that was a professional society that was incorporated as a C3 and it made the bookkeeping three times harder than it needed to be. And if and we if we would have been a C6, things would have been a lot simpler. Um, so that's another thing, because if you want people to make donations, and maybe Aaron, you have some comments on that, if you want people to make donations to some of your activities that has an impact as well, I would think, what do you think? Well, you know, I think, I, I just wanted to first of all, you know, sort of um, jump in and agree with you that the, the C6 model really fosters uh, a culture of advocacy and you know it, it clears up some of the confusion about hey we are here to lobby and advocate both and influence public policy so that that c6 model i think that you laid out uh is 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 really a strong way to go but you know that also got me thinking when you, when you start talking about some of the administrative concerns um you know again there are folks that say well um we don't want to pack because that means you're going to have to have a staff person or two or three that, you know, make sure that you're, you know, uh, staffing the pack. You're going to have to ask members for money. You know, you're not only asking them to pay their dues, 
but now you're asking them for an additional separate contribution to the to the pack and you know there are obviously the the, the record keeping and reporting requirements that you have to have for for a political action committee and you know uh, again you hear this sometimes too of that um, you know, if you start giving political contributions, well, then you create some uh, issues with your membership. Uh, you know, people are going to say, well, why did you give so much money to Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi um, when, you know, they may not understand that there's a strategy about, you know, how you get money to both sides of the aisle and those kind of things. So, again, that creates another set of internal association, organization, communication issues that some folks just want to avoid, you know, like, hey, we don't want to ask our members for more money. We don't want to have two or three more staff positions to deal with managing the pack. And oh, by the way, we don't want to create this, uh, you know, contentious, potentially contentious discussion with some of our, our members about, well, why are we giving to one candidate or to the other? So, you know, there's those cautions to think about as well. So again, while I, I think the C6 and the PAC model is the strongest way to go, if you really, really are serious about influencing public policy. It's totally understandable that organizations may have those concerns uh, that I, I just laid out. So again, I think organizations need to contemplate what is the right fit for them? What is the right fit for their mission? What, you know, what is the right fit for how they want to uh, function? What culture do they want as far as advocacy? Do they want that to be out front? Um, do they not? So I think it's about finding that right fit. Yeah, and you know, and that's a great, uh, we're actually already near, we're two minute warning here uh, for our episode today. Uh, so I think that's actually a great place to start our wrap up. So Aaron, if you could say in one or two sentences, your advice to any 501c organization when it comes to advocacy or lobbying, what would that be? Um, I would first of all start by saying, don't be afraid of it. This is, you know, I think that, it, it is uh, probably built into the mission of most organizations in some way that they're supposed to be advocating um, and trying to change something about society or about public policy. So don't be afraid of it. Um, you know, in fact, embrace it. Look for the fit. Sure, there's, there's, there's differences to consider about C3s, C6s, and, and it's, you know, I don't know if we clarified anything today. We probably didn't. I hope the takeaway is don't be, don't be afraid of, of advocacy and lobbying and look for what the right fit for your organization is and really think it through because, um, and, you know, and you can always adjust that over the years. But, um, you know, I think if you have, have the wrong fit about what your organization is trying to do versus what that tax status is related to advocacy, you're going to have some issues. And, and so, you know, it's something to seriously think about and there's options out there and you don't need to be afraid of it. Well, that's great. I think that's great advice. Don't be afraid of it. You know, uh, get out there and try it. So I, uh, I'm sorry we have to end this conversation. This is one of the only things Aaron and I actually disagree on from time to time. So it's usually a very interesting conversation. We'll, keep, sorry, we'll keep talking after it's done, probably. After the, yeah, after, probably after. Will. <laughs> the, the after show show. Uh, but I want to thank you all for uh, joining us this week. And I want to thank uh, Aaron Costello, CAE, government relations expert, uh, advocacy expert for joining us. And uh, again, want to give a shout out to Agnes Amos Coleman, who is my co-host usually. And uh, hopefully she'll be back for our next episode. Uh, but so for today, I want to say uh, thanks for joining us. And we are now on 
many audio podcasts. Uh, we have a list uh, you can check out. If you go to anchor.fm, you can listen to us there. We're on Overcast now. We're a Google Podcast, Spotify, and several others that uh, you may or may not have heard of, but those are the biggies. And we are, as always, brought to you by Rogue Tulips, LLC. We do 501c consulting across the domains of practice, and we do association management services. Check us out at roguetulips.com. We also support the 501c League, which is a virtual membership organization for everyone in the 501c community and the people who love them. So check them out at the 501cleague.net. And the 501c League is offering an outstanding ethics course for those of you who need to get your ethics credit to renew this year, like I do. So thanks again, everybody, and we will be back next week.